to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you could turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, picking up in verse 13. So 1 Peter chapter 1, we're picking up in verse 13. We're going to be looking at verse 13 through 16. The title of our message is Holiness, Holiness. I just want to say God did not save us that everyone that he saves would be happy. Although God loves to give us joy, God loves to give us the joy of the Lord that's his strength and laughter is like medicine and God gives us great joy when we become believers in Jesus Christ and it's a good thing, but that's not primarily why God saved us. He didn't save us that we would be just a bunch of happy people. God didn't save us that we would be healthy. Although it's nice to have good health, and it's wonderful when we do have good health, and we know God is a God that heals. Exodus 15 tells us that he's a God that heals us. Jesus, when he walked the earth, many were healed that came to him, those that were blind, those that were deaf, then different people that he would touch, and he brought healing. Matter of fact, a a friend of mine just told me the other day that uh, his stepson was traveling overseas and he got real sick. Doctors had gave no hope. They said, there's nothing else we can do. This, this boy's going to die. Bring the family in and say you know, your last goodbyes. And a missionary went there and prayed over him and now he's healthy and he's healed. So we have a God who heals, yeah. But God didn't save us that we would all be healed. So God didn't save us all to be happy. God didn't save us all to be healed. But God did save us for one reason is to be holy. God calls us to be holy. And God desires that we're holy people. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to look at that here in our text. So I'm going to ask if we can, uh, can we just stand one time before we, as we read God's wonderful word? It's terrible. I know we get comfortable. and We're like, really, we've got to stand again. But we love here at Calvary of the Harbor, we just love to stand as we just read God's word in honor of his wonderful word. It's biblical. Uh, you, I can give you references for it if you like. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. The apostle Peter writes, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Lord, we pray over these few verses again. We pray over the message as we talk about holiness. Lord, I pray that you would make that clear to every one of us that are hearing this message. What does that mean personally to each one of us that are here? What does it mean to be holy? How can we become holy? May you teach us, Lord, through your word and by your spirit. Give us understanding, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So as we've been looking at, as the Apostle Peter is writing this letter, he's writing this letter to those that are dispersed in a place called Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. They're dispersed from an area called Israel at the time. Interesting, it's, you know, during that time, it was Israel. But they were dispersed. They had to leave their families, many of them. They had to leave their homes. They had to leave property. And so they're dispersed. Why were they dispersed? Do you remember? 
because of persecution, because these Jewish people became believers in Jesus Christ, and persecution was very heavy against the, the believers, the Christians. So they had to leave in fear of their lives. So they, they left to Turkey, and then, so they're there, modern-day Turkey, and they're there, and Peter delivers this letter to them to give them hope, to give them some understanding, to give them some perspective of what's going on. And I'm, I'm sure many of them were probably just confused or distraught, wondering, what do we do now? And so this book has been, or this letter to them has been very encouraging and uh, I believe just a lot of instruction for us. But here in verse 13, I believe he's telling them to be serious about eternity and also to be holy. And we're going to look at it a little closer. So I'm going to put verse 13 back up on the screen. He says, therefore, and as we looked at two weeks ago when we left off at this place, therefore is talking about their great salvation. They have a great salvation. So because of this great salvation, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's interesting as we look at grace. As we know here, we talk about it quite often. Grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. We're saved by grace. God's favor. Nobody in this room, if you're saved, you're a born-again Christian, you cannot stand up and say, well, I was saved because I did a bunch of good deeds and I saved myself. I slayed the dragon. He's dead. I'm alive. I've conquered. I'm saved. Well, you, I don't know what you're saved from, but you're not saved by, by Jesus Christ and you're not born again of his spirit for slaying a dragon. Although, you know, that could be a great thing if there's such thing as a dragon, I don't know. But my point is, is that, you know, grace is wonderful. We're saved by grace. Only by God's favor can you be saved. But if you notice in here, it talks about we're to rest our hope fully upon the grace that, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is not talking about a saving grace, but it's talking about a future grace at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes back, and I believe what it's saying is, is we're going to have such favor for all eternity. When he comes back and we come back with him, you know that as a church we're coming back with him, right, at the second coming? I've heard some people say that, you know, I'm looking for the second coming of Jesus. I'm looking to see his face. Well, that's not right theology. We're going to see his backside, right? We're going to be, he's going to be in front of us. That's real. That's true. That's good theology. We're going to be behind him on white horses when he returns because the rapture takes place first and then we return with him. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the air. And then we return with him. But when we return in the second coming, when we come, the Bible tells us as believers, we're going to rule and reign as priests and kings. If that's not grace, I don't know what grace is. You and I are going to have some kind of rulership on this earth, and we're going to have new bodies. We're going to have glorified bodies. We're going to rule and reign in righteousness. We're going to have, you know, this wonderful peace. We're going to have glorified bodies. We're going to, we're going to have just such grace bestowed upon us. And I believe in context what this is saying. It says, you know, your life might, get might be terrible. You might go through difficult things. You might go through persecutions. You might go through hardships. But really, your focus should be fully on eternity. Because if you fully put your trust in the things of this world, I, can I just say, can I be candid with you? You're going to be disappointed. You'll be disappointed. 
And so, in, you know, picture this. He's writing to those that have left their homes and left property, and he's saying, you know what, put your hope fully on not this world. Yeah, you might get another home. You might get more property. God might bless you in such a wonderful way. But now that you're, you're settling in this new place, put your hope fully on eternity. And can I say that, you know, can I say it this way to us? Let's be serious about eternity. Let's, let's realize we have great grace waiting for us. This place is not our home. My wife and I, we love our home. You know, we, we love where we live. God has blessed us. And, you know, I sold my house in Michigan, so we were able to purchase a home here. We love where we're at and everything. But believe me, if the rapture comes, I'm not going to be, oh, my house. Can we keep it, Lord, please? No. I'm like, take it, Lord, please. Just, I want to be with you. My hope's in the Lord. My hope's not on a home. My hope's not on my family. My hope's not on the body of Christ. Though I have great relations with those in the body of Christ and all, but we, Peter's saying, rest your hope fully upon the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Have that eternal mindset. But I believe what he's saying in this verse also is, be serious about this walk you have with the Lord. Are you serious about eternity? Are you serious about the things of the Lord? I hope so. It's time to get serious if you're walking with Christ. It's time to be serious. You know, the rapture can happen at any time. There's nothing that has to happen on the prophetic calendar first before I mean, we could rest. If, if there was something that we could point to in the Bible and say, well, you know, before the rapture, for sure, this is going to happen. So don't worry, rapture is never going to happen. Let's say this will happen before. So once this happens, then we should be a little concerned and we should, you know, think about the rapture. And all. But no, nothing at all has to take place. The rapture can happen at any second. Wouldn't this be a great time? But he's saying be serious. And I believe as the Apostle Peter's talking to those that left everything and they're going through difficult times and persecution is heavy, he's saying, you know what, get serious about the Lord, look to eternity, because sometimes when we go through difficult times, listen to this, sometimes when we go through difficult times and trying times, we can revert back to our old nature, our old, excuse me, our old sinful ways in the world. And he's saying, don't do that, gird up the loins of your mind. And we looked at this uh, Two weeks ago, the girding up the loins of your mind, it means uh, to get rid of sloppy or loose thinking, to have a disciplined mind. In other words, we would say, roll up your sleeves and be serious with your mind and don't allow anything to get in your thoughts that are not of God. Maybe you've heard this saying before. It says, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. And there's a lot of truth to that. If, you know, in a, in a godly way, you, if you sow a good thought, you're going to reap action. If you're going to keep thinking upon good things, you're going to start having good actions. If you have good actions, you're going to start having good habits. If you have good habits, you're going to end up having a good character. And if you have a good character, you're going to have a good destiny because, because of Jesus Christ will be going to, into heaven for all eternity. But the opposite can be the case. If you, if you sow ungodly thoughts or bad thoughts, you're going to sow actually, you're going to, you're going to respond to those thoughts that you're thinking about. Do you know that? When you have ungodly actions, you're going to have ungodly habits. And when you have ungodly habits, it's going to, you're going to have an ungodly character. and You're going to reap a terrible destiny. Right now, we are sowing godly things. Isn't this nice? Sowing to the Spirit. 
reading the word of God. We're sowing to the spirit, the power of God's word. I believe, truthfully, I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to be blown away at how powerful God's word really was. I mean, I experienced the power of God's word. I, I experienced when, when God's word is being taught, when, God's, uh, when I read God's word and just the, the power of the word. But I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to be like, whoa, like it says it's like, uh, like sharper than any two-edged sword. And we're like, wow, it's just, it really is powerful. I, I never really realized how powerful this word is. Well, it's very powerful. This is what we're doing. We're sowing to the spirit. My wife and I, we recently bought a, a hummingbird feeder. Don't you love hummingbirds? I love hummingbirds. They fascinate me. They're able to just, you know, fly and just stand still. Then they can fly backward. You know, it's like, whoa, that is so cool. I'm fascinated by them. So we bought a hummingbird feeder and we put it out side of our bedroom window there on the balcony, you know. So, and when we first put it out, there's the hummingbirds would come by and we'd watch them. They would, they would be in the tree across from the balcony and they would just sit there and they would just stand in the tree and they're hard to see my eyes aren't that good but I could see I'm so fascinated with it. I could see I'm like honey look look he's, he's he flew right there look she's like where it's like it looks like a stick but it's right there look look it's like she's like oh no no I see it and then so when we first bought this hummingbird feeder it just the, the thing would just they would come and they just sit in the tree and they just look at the the red water they just look at the water and I know they I'm told not to use red water so I'm going to use sugar water okay so I didn't know that I found that out What's that? Four to one. Four to one. Okay, thank you. <laughs> four to one. Sugar, four to one. But listen, this is true. The, 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 the bird would just sit there and just watch the thing and go like this. And then it would fly like this. And it'd go close and look at close at it and get near it like this. And it's looking. They could see us through the window. So they're kind of, you know, not feeling too comfortable, worried that we're going to be, you know, too close to them. So they're just watching go a little closer like this. And so we're like, come on, just take the, the, the food. Eat. It's okay. We're not going to hurt you, little birdie. Go ahead. And, and then after a while, they get a little bit closer, and then they would just stop and just do, 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 think real fast, just take a little bit, and just go away, right? Now, just a few weeks later, they're like hanging out. I mean, they would even go to the, they would go to the, uh, the flower that's at the farthest end, and they would try to hide so we don't see it. And they'd go, do, 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 and they just go real fast. Now they're right next to us, and they're just like going free, and they're like, it's okay, you guys aren't hurting us, and we know that you love us. And, and then they're like, if it's going low, they're like, feed us, feed us. But I think of that, and my mind is just, you know, kind of crazy this way. But I think, you know, sometimes, you know, people can be, we can be like that with sin. We can be like, you know, it's like, oh, no, no, just far away. We're just thinking about it, just pondering it. And then we think, well, just, just, just maybe just get close to it. It's, a, it's not really that harmful. And we start getting a little closer to, to maybe a sin that we were once caught up in and just a little bit closer to it. And it's like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I want to do. The next thing we know, we're just all caught up in that old past sin that, that we used to, used to entangle us. But it starts in the mind. That little bird, I, I knew what was going on when that little hummingbird was like, he was just looking like this, his mind. Okay, they're there, the humans are there. I don't know if it's safe. And it, just, and it took a while, it's just the mind. It started in that little teeny bird's mind. And then all of a sudden, and it was a good thing. You know, they found out it was good. But I believe for us, we need to gird up the loins of our mind. We need to, to do away with sloppy, loose thinking and, and you know, keep every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need to watch over what we're thinking on. Because we sow that thought and it can reap an action. 
What are we thinking on? Remember what Paul the Apostle told the church in Philippi. He said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. And then Paul went on to say in verse 9, he says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. Paul's saying, I'm an example. The things that you learned that I taught you, the things that you received when I, talked, when I spoke to you, he says, do those things. And then what did he say? And the God of peace will be with you. Do you want the God of peace to be with you? Meditate on good things. Meditate on things that are true, not things that are false, not things that are fantasy, not things that are not reality. Meditate on things that are noble and honest and not terrible things, things that are pure and not things that are dirty, disgusting, lovely things. The mind. Look back at verse 13. It says, gird up the loins of your minds. Then he says, be sober, be sober. The word sober means being sober-minded, meaning having mental and spiritual self-control, having, having self-control, not being intoxicated with the things of this world, not being intoxicated with the sin of this world, not being drunk with the things of this world, being sober-minded, being sober, being serious, realizing we're in a battle. A while back, my wife and I, we went to a, a consignment store slash thrift store in Irvine, they have used furniture and all that kind of stuff. It's like a big garage sale. I'm not big on shopping, but we went there. <laughs> but my wife saw a picture, and we were wondering how much it would be. And so we asked the gentleman that was there, you know, how much are they asking for this? And he says, well, let me take a look. And he gave us the price. I forget what it was, maybe like $50 or something. We're like, no, no, it's too much. It's, you know, what is your best price? What can you give it to us for? And he says, well, let me check the record. I guess... The longer it's there, the, le- the more money they can take off on consignment. He said something like, if it's uh, a week, they take 5% off. Two weeks, 10% off. Three weeks, they take 20% off, right? So I said, okay. So I'll be right back. He says, oh. He says, it's only been here three days. I can't take anything off. I was like, oh, okay. No, no worries. You know, we don't want it. It's too much. And he says, well, I can do this. He goes, let me hide it for you. Come back in three weeks. <laughs> and he goes, and I can give you 20% off. And he was real serious about this. And I go, so, you know, you're, you could just hide it? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll just, he goes, I'll put it somewhere. No one can find it. I'll bury it somewhere. No one's going to see it. You come back in three weeks, I could give you 20% off. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not too comfortable with that. So after talking to him for a little while, my wife, you know, mentioned we're Christians. And then it was brought out, I was a pastor. You should have saw the look on, the, on his face when I said I was a pastor. <laughs> He's like, I was trying to be scammy with a pastor. I can't believe this. <laughs> and I just, I felt bad. I mean, he just kind of sunk down. He's like, oh, man, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. <laughs> Not only can I lose my job, I can lose my life. This isn't good, you know. Like, but it opened a great door. We started talking about Jesus and the gospel and the Bible and end times. And he was, you know, telling me that one of the coworkers there is a pastor. And he says, he says, you know, everything you're telling me, he's been telling me all the same stuff. And I says, well, because that's God, it's the Bible. And he's like, I really need more to hear more about this. So I left him a track and it was, and it was great. But my point is, it's like, we need to be serious about the things of God. 
that we don't compromise. And sometimes it's easy just to compromise a little bit, and we need to be where not to compromise. God wants us to be serious, to be sober, sober-minded. Paul the Apostle told young Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.4, he says, no one engaged in warfare. Do you realize you're in a battle? I hope you realize that. We're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. If you don't know you're in a battle, then you're in worse shape than you think you are because we are in a battle. It's not a playground that we're on. No one engaged in warfare. We are in warfare. Entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him, the Lord, who enlisted him as a soldier. So a soldier, when a soldier goes out to war, he's not all entangled with the things of the world. He's set apart to do the battle that he's called to do. In the same way, we're in a battle. We should be set apart to that. We should realize that, and we should be serious. I remember when I was in seventh grade, I joined the football team, and I loved football. It was my favorite sport, that and track. A lot of discipline. But I remember my very first game, and I was so excited. I was, at that time, I was playing a receiver, you know, run out to catch the ball. To, and the, the opposing team, the, the one that was supposed to watch me, he was like literally half my size. He was like this. And I, I just was inside. I was laughing. I'm thinking, I'm going to catch. I told the quarterback, throw every ball to me. I said, he can't. There's no way. He can't jump that high. It's just... And I was like, throw every ball. And I'm all excited. And I'm ready. I'm like, this is, you know, is going to be like taking candy from a baby. This is going to be so easy. And I was just so assured. And so there I am. First play, this young kid, he couldn't even reach my eyes. He was so small. He jumped up. He took his fingers and, and jammed them right inside of my eyes. <laughs> Serious. First game I've ever played. Jammed his fingers right inside, threw my, I had a face mask on, he knew exactly where to go, right into my eyes, put his fingers right in my eyes, gouged my eyes out, took his fingers, clenched them down in my eye sockets, and pulled me right down to the ground. And I literally couldn't see. My eyes were too scratched up. I couldn't even open them. There was so much pain. I went to my coach. I said, coach, I'm out of the game. I can't see. He says, there's no backup for you. Get in the game. I played the whole game with my eyes closed. I couldn't say. We're in a battle, spiritually speaking. And I believe this happens to so many Christians. They don't realize the battle that we're in. We're in a spiritual battle. We have an adversary. He's called the devil. And let me put that verse up on the board for you. It says, be sober, be vigilant, be awake, be aware. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour he doesn't play fair. That's the bad news. The good news is greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We have greater weapons, and with Christ we have authority, and the devil can't harm us. But we need to beware. We need to be vigilant and realize we have an adversary that doesn't play fair. We're to be serious. I really believe, folks, I, as I'm up here and I was praying these last few days, what is the message? And I believe the Lord's calling us all as a church to really be serious about him. Be sober, be serious. Be serious about the things of God. It's a good thing to be serious about him. And I, I almost see it, you know, this is my 
thoughts on this. I'm going to see it when we're serious about the things of the Lord. There's just this place where God has us and there's a protection he has over us. But when we start toying with the world and going back to the things of the world, we start going outside of that place. There's a danger place that you can go to. And I believe the Lord is calling out to the people of God, people that are here to say, let's get serious about God. Let's just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that everything else will be added to us. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.